It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huckland, your host for this evening. This is going to be an entry discussion tonight because we're going to talk about the case study in cognitive war, why Hamas is one. This is part two of a two-part series. In the first part, I focused almost exclusively on why Hamas has won this war. Tonight, we're going to talk about why the free world countries continue to fail in fighting the cognitive war and what can be done to win this cognitive war. <laughs> For those of you who may have not captured the first episode, let me give you a quick recap. I talked about the cognitive domain, the domain of the human mind, as being the most critical of all domains. But it's an afterthought by Western free worlds. But it's not an afterthought by despots and dictators and commie fascists like Hamas, Iran, China, and Russia. They focus on this specifically all the time. I also talked about the definition of cognitive war as being primarily an ideological war between tyranny and freedom. And I talked about how Hamas uses various ways, ideology, religion, and issues. Ideology being fascism, Marxism, theocracy, religion, they hide behind religion, radical Islam, and use it to abuse and murder others and issues like the two-state solution in a variety of means, academic, where they indoctrinate children for, for decades in Palestine. Economic, they control the money, they control the flow, they control the social services, etc. to influence. We talked about the fact that Hamas had a very detailed strategy, plan, and the patience to conduct and execute this plan. How they control and advance the narrative with many of their useful idiots and lemmings across the world as they conducted mass demonstrations worldwide. Many of them, unbelievably, here in the United States across our college campuses. They built a massive alliance with China, Russia, Iran, knowing they have friends in court to get the weapons, the supplies, and other things they need. So they built those alliances, and they understand the information environment and the application of technology. Everything from using TikTok to other social media to other aspects, because they've controlled and driven the narrative here. And they were winning, and they won, because they are expendable. Their leaders see their people, their network, and other things expendable, because they can rebuild them another another time. But they use them to gain more recruits. They use them to gain more money. They use them to gain more investments. I talked about Hamas and their objectives to detract from Biden, to drive an attack for fundraising, to drive an emotional reaction to gain more recruits, to advance absolute power, their wealth and control. Their objectives also included driving division in the United States amongst Americans, which they have, and undermining U.S. world position because we have a weak leader. <clears throat> In the first section, I talked about all this stuff. I talked about pre-planned protests and the payment of people to conduct these different attacks and then follow up with the different protests and get paid to do these protests here in the United States and worldwide. These things have been laid out. That's why Hamas has won and is winning this right now. But why is it that the Western world 
are continuing to fail in this cognitive war. Why is it that we don't understand this is a cognitive war? Well, let's take a look at another article in that Hamas had targeted Israeli women with rape and unspeakable atrocities by Dan Berger in the Epoch Times. It's a very good article. I'm just going to quote a few aspects of the US article. He spoke on November 12th in an online seminar organized by Jewish professional students at Harvard University who have been systematically gathering evidence since the attack on 7 October. A legal scholar of the chair of the Israel Civil Commission, okay, spoke for nearly 20 minutes, listing the crimes and details that were occurred on the 7 October. The experts gathered the extensive evidence from eyewitness testimony, police investigations, medical examiners, first responders, doctors, and via Hamas's own videos broadcast on social media from the GoPro cameras that we've talked about in the first segment, in the first of this two-part series. And they also documented the interrogations of captured Hamas terrorists and the forensic evidence they used to gather, that they gathered from hospitals, from morgues, and at the crime scenes. The Harvard medical professor, Dr. Elizabeth Goffberg, said investigators are still uncovering and documenting the many atrocities that took place. The event was streamed live to a capacity crowd of 2,300 people, and a recording has been made available online. This had more than 16,000 views. Now, I'll stop here for a second, because when you take a look at the 16,000 views compared to the millions of views that are going on about these anti-Israel protests, it's astounding. But this event at Harvard was organized by Jewish student associations at Harvard Medical, Dental, Law, and Business Schools. What's striking about this woman and stuff is that the complete silence, the complete silence of many people about the actual atrocities committed on October 7th. The silence is coming from many different areas because despite showing clear evidence and violations of international law and the brutal crimes committed against women and children and other innocents, no national or international organization bodies have stepped up to condemn it. United Nations groups in initial statements were quick to equate Israel, equate Israel, bombing of Gaza with the Hamas attack. I mean, so it's unfathomable, but this is why Hamas is winning. Okay. So these folks fail to acknowledge not only the deaths, but the slaughter of the innocents. They have the documented evidence, they have the forensics evidence, and other things that is portrayed to them. One of the people at this conference said, said, never did I imagine that when faced with such undeniable atrocities, the very purpose for which these different organizations in the UN had been established to protect women, never would have imagined they would actually resort to not acknowledging those atrocities at all. But this goes back to what I talked about in the first part of this two-part statement in this cognitive war. Is people are complacent, they're compliant, and they're complicit or corrupt. And they move from being complacent and compliant to being complicit and corrupt when they don't acknowledge these types of things. When you take a look at a recent article by the fact checker who says, well, we can't quite take uh, the Manchurian President Biden's word that babies' heads were cut off in Israel. You take a look at that. His fact check is about babies having their heads cut off. But 
he doesn't even acknowledge and go into the great details of all the horrific other crimes here. So here you have the Washington Compost, what I call the propaganda horrors of one of the of main media companies, failing to basically address one of the most horrendous, horrific crimes since the genocide and Holocaust, and calling out the president for maybe he's not quite right because they didn't cut babies' heads off. What do you think that does to the narrative for Hamas? It advances it. It advances that false narrative by Hamas. Okay. I also talked about the inhumanity of Hamas and their lack of humanity and morals. And so in one case, in this in this uh, diatribe that was provided at the uh, Harvard University, <laughs> said that family members were witness to part of the torture, part of the rape, and other aspects. And when they asked, one of the interrogators asked the individual who conducted this, he said, when I asked, why did you take women, one terrorist answered, to have our way with them, to dirty them, to rape them? Okay. The terrorist said, he received permission from his religious leaders to murder children so the children would grow, not grow up to be Jews. He also received permission to abuse women and their bodies in order to spread fear in Israel society. Mm-hmm. They got clear direction, this individual said in the interrogation, direct instructions to go for women, to go for children, to be as cruel as they wish and do whatever savagery and cruelty they can think of. Despite Islam teachings counter. Okay, they apparently received special dispensation to allow them to engage in these atrocities. But this is where I talked about in the cognitive warfare. They use various ways, ideology, religion, and issues. And in religion here, you see here in this interrogation, the infidels who are Hamas in Iran and other facts, and their so-called religious leaders purposely dispel the guidance in the Quran and tell them to go ahead and murder, rape, and torture, and abuse, and whatever horrendous thing they wish to, to these innocent people. One of the people at the uh, event warned the audience about a particularly horrifying video she is about to recount. She said it shows terrorists torturing a pregnant woman while she is still alive. They cut her stomach open, took out her fetus, they cut off her breast while they were wildly beating her. They bent over her, and I realized they were raping her one by one. Then she passed out. She was passed over to another man in uniform. She was still alive, and she was being raped. She was on her feet and bleeding and, they, and, and from her back. And they pulled her hair, shot her in the head while she was still raping, being raped. This type of horrendous activity is unconscionable. But this is what this is what people who have no religion will do. There's not Muslims. They're not Islam. They use that to hide behind. But where is the West's portrayal of that? We don't because we're too damned politically correct. We don't call out the fact that these folks aren't true Muslims or Islamic. They aren't. They're infidels. They're using this religion to hide behind and slaughtering innocent people, raping them, and as you heard from this video that the woman described what happened to that poor pregnant woman, it's unconscionable what happened. Now, in another case, students rampaged through a high school to hunt down a teacher because they were going to a pro-Israeli rally. This is the power of the narrative. 
And this is in the United States of America they're doing this. So the indoctrination, the power of the narrative, the influence these people have had across America as a whole is phenomenal. Through the use of TikTok, of the social media, false narratives, they've driven this stuff. In an article by Nick Arama in Red State, he relays this attack by the students rampaging through high school. But what this tells you is that Hamas and others understand the information environment, the use of technology like TikTok, and have subverted U.S. society without Americans realizing the threat. This is one of the reasons why the West and free world nations are losing this cognitive war. It happens here every single day in America. As you see progressive cities destroyed and people not believing what they see. Now, in addition to negatively affecting Israel, this push is bringing evil things to this country, mainly among the young who are indoctrinated by leftist thoughts on campuses. We've seen all these kinds of rallies across colleges' campuses. We even see it capturing climate activists like that Greta Thunberg. <clears throat> what this article in Red State talks about is that we learned about the 1930s and programs in school, but we're seeing the same things developing real time. Now, I've talked about this before in this program. History repeats itself. What's happening here isn't new. But the cognitive war being waged is much more effective and potent than it was in the past because they understand the information environment. They understand the audiences. They have the hold on the indoctrination centers, which are now our public schools, our college campuses. And they've done this over the last six decades in the United States. But in Israel, Hamas did the same thing in Gaza Strip, unopposed. So... In this case, that article, a teacher was seen holding a sign supporting Israel and that she stands with Israel. And they saw it on her Facebook page. So a bunch of kids decided to make a group chat, expose her and talk about it and then start a riot. This isn't America, people. The students also posted TikTok videos. Remember that TikTok videos as they're rioting and praised each other. One even calling the teacher a cracker a-hole, B-I-T-C-H, a person, okay, the term teacher support Israel is hate. So here's a person who's supporting Israel after a slaughter, a genocidal slaughter, and you have American students attacking that teacher, calling her various names and hunting her down in her own high school. Now, where did this happen? Well, lovely city of New York. So the New York Police Department only sent a couple dozen cops to restore order but they tapped its counterterrorism bureau to investigate a possible threat against the school. But this is in the United States, people. Now, before I go on break here, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk more about why the West is losing this cognitive war and why Hamas has won. And we'll start off by talking about an article by Victor Davis Hansen, who I respect greatly, who has a great way of putting different things. But as we go on break here, make sure that America Out Loud Talk Radio is your one-stop shop for all your news and happenings. You can listen to us on a media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best-in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24 by 7. Now, you can also hear them all on podcasts. As the podcasts come out, 
within a day or two of each of the program shows as they're played live on AmericaOutloud.news. You go to AmericaOutloud.news and get all the news and happenings. I'll be right back. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. This is Ed Hudson, your host for this evening. This is the second part of a two-part case study of the attacks by Hamas and what it means about cognitive warfare, about why Hamas is winning, why the West is losing, and what we can do to win this war. So as we went on break, I told you bring back and we talked about an article by Victor Davis Hansen. Okay, first he says Hamas spent a year planning a preemptive butchery spree inside Israel. Its ruthless murdering focused on soft targets such as unharmed elderly women, children, and infants, mostly asleep at the time in this peaceful holiday. Second, he says, it sought to collectively shock Israel into paralysis by sheer horror of the decapitating civilians, burning babies, raping masses, and mutilating bodies. Third, the gunmen took more than 240 hostages back to Gaza with them, which they're using right now, as they continue to win this current war. Again, this is a disproportionate tactic used and designed to meter out the release of captives in exchange for pauses and ceasefires to save Hamas. So as I talked about, Victor gets it spot on here. 
They get the whore, they recruit more people, they get more money, but they capture the hostages. Why? Because they know that they're going to want to do different ceasefires and release them to get more time to rebuild their network, to rebuild their funding, to rebuild their strength. Okay. Fourth, Victor says, all the while Hamas shot rockets into Israel, more than 7,000 in total, all aimed at innocent civilians. They're not discriminate. They're indiscriminate bombings. Fifth, Hamas sought to create a multi-billion dollar tunnel city beneath Gaza. Okay, for the whole purpose of this. But they did it over the last two decades, unopposed by anyone in Israel, even though they probably knew what was going on. Sixth, the subterranean headquarters of Hamas elites, along with the weapons, the depots, were all strategically placed under hospitals, mosques, and schools to shield them from Israeli attacks. As I talk, the inhumanity of Hamas, they didn't care if those places were targeted. They thought they wouldn't, and if they were, they could use it for propaganda. The expectation was that the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, would be hesitant to target such civilian places. Seventh, Hamas forced civilians of Gaza to remain amongst the street fighting, and they shot those who resisted. I talked to you about the video I saw, unvalidated, but the shows a number of young and old men, Palestinians, being walked blindfolded, handcuffed or tied, hands tied behind their back, pushed into a pit, and then shot. They also killed Gazans who fled the city. Hamas doesn't care. They have no humanity, no morals. They slaughtered their own people. But this is part of the reason why the West is losing this war. Where is the cohesive story and narrative and strategy to expose this worldwide? There is none. There is none. And it's a shame. It's a shame because it's destroying and dividing not only our nation, but it's also destroying and dividing people across the world who have not a freaking clue as to what really happened here on 7 October. Victor says, eighth, that Hamas bragged that it could repeat such strategies, one through seven, endlessly in the support supposition that Israel would tire, the world would turn against the Jewish state, and it could murder enough Jews to end Israel altogether. And this goes to my other point. The whole two-state solution that I talked about. All these are guises. Deceit to guises to bide not only Hamas, but Hezbollah, Iran, China, and Russia. More time. More time to slowly bleed Israel die, dry and subjugate them. Israel understands, Victor writes, that a country of 9 to 10 million people is facing a virulent, hostile, 500 million person Arab Middle East. But my point here and why the West is losing, and why we continue to lose the cognitive war, is because in this 500 million person Arab Middle East run by all these freaking dictators, these infidel dictators who hide behind Muslim religion to control, to subjugate, torture, and control of people, okay, 500 million, and the continued indoctrination. We have no counter. We have no recourse. We react. All we do is sit back and react. So in an article in Town Hall by Matt Vespa, he also talks about Hamas to terrorists and delaying release of news hostages. He said, this is what you get when you trust terrorists. Did anyone believe that Hamas, who butchered 12 to 1,400 Israelis on 7 October and vows to destroy Israel, is gumming up the works at this recent hostage ceasefire agreement? Well, no. 
but many people did. So they used the hostages to control the narrative. They used the hostages to control the events. But what is the West doing? What is absolutely nothing? We're giving Israel support. Okay. But our own president, the Manchurian president, already called for ceasefires. The squad, the anti-Semitic racist bigots, the squad, okay, who are supporting Hamas, in my mind, who are aiding and abetting a terrorist organization, okay, are also calling for a ceasefire. The first problem for the United States was obvious. Our citizens are being held captive. The second is that hours after the Greek ceasefire, Hamas fired rockets into Israel. So they play this game. They hold the hostages. They kill some of them. They release some of them. But what they're doing is perpetuating this whole misery, perpetuating the recruiting phase, and perpetuating the benefits for their primary objectives I listed in the first of this two-part series. The terrorist group Hamas on Saturday reported, uh, reportedly accused Israel of violating the terms of the ceasefire. But you can expect this. They're going to come back numerous different times to talk about this. But this is why the free world countries continually fail. This is strategy that's played out over the last several decades. From Yasa Arafat to today with Hamas. And we're seeing the same damn thing again today. But what is our answer? We don't have one. We are unprepared. We are unaware. We don't understand this cognitive war. So we lose it. We failed to build the necessary long-term alliances with the common strategy, not just whole government, but whole society with our allies, to drive in the Middle East and different regions of the world that type of objective, that type of outcome we wish for the world to have. It's an abject failure. It's an abject failure of Western free world nations to understand that the primary battlefield is the cognitive domain and the primary war is a cognitive war that we are losing in this whole setup by Hamas with the dictators and 500 million prisoners the dictators have across the Middle East. We do nothing to upset their apple cart, nothing to drive them to react to us. We have no strategy. We have no plan. We have no vision. We're extremely myopic, and even after Afghanistan, we just walked away as, with, as if nothing's going to ever happen again in Afghanistan. And we just leave it for another day until we're attacked again. And all the while, we see terrorists, Chinese military-aged men, and other nefarious folks come across our borders here in the United States. All the while, we see demonstrations across the United States of multiple different campuses of people supporting Hamas and decrying that what Israel happened to Israel is false. So why do the free world countries continue to fail? Because we have no strategy. We have no plan or vision. We're extremely myopic. We haven't learned. As I write in my book, The Cognitive War, why are we, why are we losing and how we can win? I discussed the fact that the United States has lost every single war since World War II, with the exception of the truce in the Korean War. Why? Because they've all been predominantly cognitive. We could, and we have won the kinetic battles, but that didn't make a difference. Because we lost the overall war. We lost the war of ideas. 
And we go back and we find the same evil repeating itself time and again, just as we see here with Hamas. Every step of this war was pre-planned, pre-staged, and well-executed. And our intelligence agencies freaking failed miserably. Israel intelligence failed miserably. They knew they were building tunnels. They knew they were indoctrinating students. But they did nothing but wait for an attack and then reacted. They bought into the two-state solution. They bought into these peace deals that other folks were trying to negotiate with the Middle East dictators, as if the Middle East dictators were actually uphold them. Saudi Arabia and Qatar, as I said, perfect examples of the fallacy and lies, the deceit that these dictators will undertake to maintain and sustain their power. We even have members of our own Congress who support the Hamas and the subversion and submission of Israel. But the same thing for the subversion and submission of the United States of America. You could see the parallels between the indoctrinization, the infiltration, the control of society, the justice system, social welfare systems, economics, agricultural, in Gaza and Hamas on a small scale and a larger scale here in the United States. You could see how the progressive left has overtaken the Democratic Party and have, who has always put out the facade that they supported the Jewish people, but now look what's happening with the Manchurian president who continues to call for immediate ceasefires. They're distracted. They're distracted from the world, from the failures and compromised by the administration. They've done this on behalf of him and the progressives. Why? Because they want to put him back in power for another term to finish the job here in the United States. The open borders have allowed the infiltration of legions of ISIS, terrorists, and Chinese military in the United States, as I said. Our own Department of Defense and intelligence communities were completely an abysmal failure in this. Everyone was completely caught off guard, just like the Arab Springs were caught off guard. Our intelligence community, national security apparatus, has not only been weaponized, it need, it's been completely completely bought off into this woke DEI, CRT, and other cultural types of stuff rather than focusing on their main business. And that's why I call for in my book, The Cognitive War, why we are losing and how we can win. I call for a complete overhaul of the security system, and I put that in there. So why are free world countries failing? Because we also focus on kinetic solutions. Sneer solely on kinetic solutions. And I go into this great detail in the book. But the main battleground has been and always will be the cognitive domain. Who controls now the means of education? Who controls the education agenda? And I said, Israel deferred to Hamas for two decades for this. They allowed the tunnels, the indoctrination, the abuse and confiscation of aid and other aspects to enrich their leadership. But look at the parallel here in the United States with the progressive liberals. Look what happened with the indoctrination in our high schools that we didn't understand or learn about until COVID and the lockdowns. Look what happened with the COVID and lockdowns and the purposeful attempt to subjugate, silence, and censor people. Look what happened with the narrative, the false narratives and lies of the dossier, the COVID so-called science, and them denying people the benefits of actual solutions for COVID 
and forcing them to get the vaccine and then censoring, canceling or rejecting them. And you can see the same thing happen with the U.S. military today. Now they're, they had such a mad, dramatic impact on recruiting. Now they're asking the people who they humiliated, abused and dismissed from the military, they're asking them to come back because it's such an abysmal failure. They're weakening the United States from within. People, this is purposeful. This is part of the cognitive war. This is why it is so critical to understand this, not just in the context of what's happening here in the United States, but worldwide with China, Russia, Iran, and Hamas and Israel. Israel is a microcosm of what's happening here in the United States. If you don't believe that, you're living again in a utopian world. Hamas calls for the ceasefires and they talk about these hostage negotiations, but have you seen they use this thing back and forth to basically drive periods of time so they can regroup, rebuild, and other aspects. Now, in an article of the American Thinker by Kathleen Brush, Nazi Revivalism in America, she says, Isn't this sweet? China and Russia, I mean, China and Iran targeting individuals on U.S. soil. The Biden administration officials, too. So what's the difference between Biden administration and CCP? One took an oath to defend the Constitution. What you are seeing, in my opinion, are dystopian Brown Star Award winners. When Palestinian American and Democrat congressional woman Rashid Tlaib posted a video saying from the river to the sea, she was promoting a rallying cry for the destruction of the state of Israel and genocide against the Jewish people. In this article by Kathleen Bush, she says, this call for Jewish genocide was the same call the Nazis made. And as I said in the first part of the, uh, this two-part segment, for Tlaib to ask for a ceasefire was be much akin to Hitler asking for a ceasefire in World War II because Americans are bombing their cities while they commit genocide and slaughter innocents and try to subjugate the world. But who's calling her out on this? Why is she still in Congress? She's a Nazi fascist sympathizer in my mind. It's disturbing to realize in this article, the lady writes, Kathleen Brush, many pro-Palestinian and inevitably anti-Semitic protesters know nothing about the history of the Jews in Israel. And in the article, she goes on to talk about the different aspects and the mandate for Palestine, et cetera, et cetera. And she talks about the failure of the UN. Okay. But... She also talks about in the Middle East by appealing to the anti-Semitic constituents. By appealing to the anti-Semitic constituents, the current presidential administration is scarcely better than Hamas. Team Biden told Israel that after winning the war, which it is doing, it cannot occupy Gaza. What the hell? Cannot occupy Daza? Were they supposed to just leave and let the networks come back in, let them build more tunnels, let them rearm so they can attack once again? Yes, this is what a Manchurian president does. Right. What's interesting here in the article, she said the administration knows this is a recipe for future wars. So she writes that this is purposeful by the administration, that the White House also reported on October 16th that hate crimes against Jews are more than 50% of the total religious hate crimes. But then on November 1st, the White House announced it's taking on hate and national strategy has created the first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. 
So here you have an 800% increase in attacks on Jewish people in the United States. And what's the administration do? Starts a national strategy to counter Islamophobia. Have you seen a number of Arabs or Islamic people in the United States attacked and brutalized and chased down in their schools? I don't think so. But this is part of the false narrative. This is why you have to believe what you see, people. This is purposeful by this administration who's complicit and corrupt and criminal, in my mind, with what's going on in Hamas. He's compromised. He's working with China, Russia, and Iran, and others in this aspect. And when we come back from break, we're going to follow this up and, more and talk a little bit more about why the West is losing. We're going to talk and finish up this program today about how we can actually win this ongoing cognitive war. You can find out more about my show and get all the latest podcasts if you go to the menu navigation bar on americaoutloud.news under our shows or schedule. You'll see the National Security Hour and a slew of other great programs. Follow us, stay engaged, and you'll be in the know. I'll be right back. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. This is part two of a case study on Hamas, why they're winning, and cognitive war. As we left the last segment, 
I was continuing to talk about why the West is losing. And so I'm going to continue that dialogue right now. So in an article by Andrew Thornburg in the Epoch Times, that any and all federal contracts, he talks about China around targeting individuals on U.S. soil. But in this article, he talks about different aspects that Mayorkas uh, said in testimony that Iran will likely remain the most aggressive actors within the United States. Says these adversaries have targeted individuals in the United States who they perceive as threats to the regimes. Likewise, Marcus noted that residents of the United States acting as illegal agents of the CCP have attempted to forcibly repatriate people back to China. We've known that. What's interesting here, part of the reason why I bring this up and why we're losing is because, so what's this administration doing about it? What is this administration doing about this? Absolutely nothing. They canceled the counterintelligence efforts that Trump had started in the National Security Division of the FBI. They've not revealed how they replaced it. So the CCP and terrorist organizations are close bedfellows. They're close allies. Now, Tammuz Itai in the Epic Times writes about this, saying it's known that Chinese Communist Party supports Haran and other sponsors of terrorism, which in turn support terror groups such as Hamas. In the latest round of conflicts, the CCP has actually come out in the support of Hamas and against Israel. And it says, dashing long-standing hopes of the successive Israeli governments that if they just make snipes with the CCP, it won't be as supportive as Israel's enemies. But here is why the West is losing. I mean, how naive. Israel's one of the major trading partners is Israel is China. One of the major trading partners for the United States is China. <clears throat> the CCP is happy to support as much chaos as possible to weaken the United States and countries like Israel because it stands against the freedom. But the naivety of our leadership and doing business with this, the naivety of our businesses and doing stuff with China and stuff like that to support their economy is unfathomable. But this is why we are losing the cognitive war. This is why it is the existential threat to our democracy and freedoms, not only here in the United States, but for Israel. We lose this war because this this article in the Epic Times states, from an early age, children are captured and indoctrinated with ideology of hate and struggle. The stories of children ratting out their parents during the Cultural Revolution and videos of young children in Gaza proudly and aspiring to kill all Jews are equally abominable. As in many other corrupt dictatorships, money and resources meant for the people are siphoned off by leadership. At different levels, leaving huge swaths of the population in squalor, benefiting the billionaire CCP leaders and Hamas leaders. Both of these entities use people's real suffering and desperation, which is why their propaganda is effective. It corrupts and destroys societies that it lays claims that they're trying to heal. So you have the CCP, you have Hamas, purposefully the enemies of free countries and democracies in independent states like Israel and the United States. But yet we continue to believe in the fairy tales, in the utopian dreams, because we believe in their false narratives. 
the CCP, they write, is happy to support as much chaos as possible the weak in the United States and countries that still support freedom. Israel leaders in other countries have, for years, been acting like teenagers who think it's all about them, not wishing to see the true big picture. But this is exactly why I wrote the book on cognitive warfare, because people are in this utopian world, they're titanium cylinders of sub-excellence, they have not a clue of the impact of this cognitive war. <laughs> to confuse the populace, the CCP and terrorist organizations conflate themselves with the state. The CCP is China. Hamas represents the Palestinian people. But in both cases, they abuse it. They use this warped logic, as the article states. If you're patriotic Chinese, then you have to support the CCP. Oh, it's the exact same thing with terrorist organizations and totalitarian regimes. If you're patriotic, you have to support Hamas and everything it does. And if you don't, they'll take you out and they'll assassinate you, they'll kill you, and shoot you. <clears throat> but this is why the West is losing. We lose this war because we're naive. We lose this war because we don't believe what we see. We don't want to believe what we see. And we have terrorists now on U.S. soil <laughs> waiting to conduct similar types of massacres, in my opinion. <clears throat> you have 1.7 million illegal gotaways. 1.7 million illegal gotaways that have crossed the border since 2021. Okay, for every million people, that's 20,000 people per state. <clears throat> so you have almost 40,000 illegal gotaways, that's 40,000 people per state. Take even a percent of that, 400. And imagine what 400 well-armed miscreants, who the gotaways mean they got away with help from the cartels. They could be armed. They could have chem, bio, weapons. They could have other types of nefarious uh, irregular warfare capabilities. But 1% of the 40,000, think of 10%, 4,000. And think about what happened in Israel on October 7th and the chaos that it caused. If you don't think they're planning for similar potential incidents here in the United States, then you're dreaming. But this is why the West is losing the cognitive war. This is why Hamas is winning. This is why the dictatorships are winning, because we're doing absolutely nothing to drive them to react to our objectives, to our strategy, to our desires. The open borders get worse, but let me turn now to the last part here. What can be done to win? Okay. In the first of the two-part series, I talked about Hamas and why they're winning. In this segment, I continued a little bit of that and also talked about why is it, why is it that the West is losing? <laughs> but what can we do to win? It's not rocket science. It doesn't take rocket science and a big brain to figure out. It takes some simple logic. But I lay out a variety of these aspects in my book on cognitive warfare. It will help you understand the war. It'll help you understand how it operates. It'll help you understand solutions for it. But what can the West do now to help win this current situation in Israel? Well, one, we have to develop a long-term strategy for the Middle East and Israel. We cannot afford to stick to our myopic utopian dreams 
that defines what that is defined by what Hamas and others want for the region and China. We have to start to define what we wish for the region and what we wish it to look like for the next 100 to 200 years. This is not a short-term fix. Okay, for Americans who have a short attention span, this is a critical reason why we lose this cognitive war because we forget we're off to the next thing, but we can no longer afford that luxury of ignoring reality. We not only have to develop a long-term strategy for the Middle East and Israel, we have to do it for every region of the world. This is not a short-term fix. It's going to take decades and centuries to undo the indoctrination of the youth and citizens of the different countries. You see many Palestinians who fled from Palestine here to the United States demonstrating in the streets and at our universities. Why? They left those shift holes, Adam Schiff, they left those shift holes to come to the United States for our freedoms and stuff. And now they use the freedoms and such to then revisit and spew the same hatred that they were indoctrinated with as youth. You can't just fix that overnight. Those cultural tendencies are in there and ingrained in there. So we need to develop an overall implementation plan, training plan, an education plan, not only for when Israel retakes Gaza, for how it manages Gaza, how it overtakes Gaza, and I think basically they need to annex Gaza and, and shift can the two-state solution. The two-state solution is a deception. It's a ploy by the Middle East countries. We need to hold the other Arab dictators accountable. We need to help them feel our pain or feel our gain. It's time to start calling them out for this, Saudi Arabia and Qatar especially. We need to identify the fact that these dictators use religion as a cover to subjugate and control their people. We have more than ample evidence of it. We have more than ample facts of it. And with their intel agencies and other national security capabilities, we can out them for the hypocrites they are and start to cause them to have issues. We can start to, to leak intelligence, showing their deviancy, their pedophilia, how they enrich themselves. We could take a look at the economic and political sanctions. As I said, end the two-state solution. Israel should end the two-state solution next Gaza for history and allow Palestinians to come back and to be Israel citizens and live a peaceful life. But now they have to rebuild from the ground up. They have to re-educate and deprogram those who have been indoctrinated. <clears throat> But they also have plenty of ample evidence from Palestinians themselves how they were used, abused, assaulted, murdered, and killed for op opposing Hamas. We need to take a look at our own universities here in the United States and start pulling the accreditation from universities where these demonstrations took place. We can no longer afford accredited universities that are indoctrination centers here in the United States. So likewise that we see in Israel here in the United States, we must do the same thing. That's how we can win. We have to do the same thing in our K through 12 education programs to go back to reteach the values, the basics and freedoms of America. An imperfect society we may be, but far is it from the dystopian, dysfunctional and tyrannical regimes in the Middle East in China, Russia and Iran. We have to start controlling our education, 
our social services, healthcare, and police, and support them in a much better fashion. Israel needs to do the same thing. We also need to limit citizenship. We have to end here in the United States, Israel, and other places, citizenship for those who oppose freedoms, who oppose democracy, who oppose individual respect for individuals. In terms of controlling the narrative, what's our narrative for this? How do we start this? Well, we have no narrative. Hamas has a narrative. The anti-Semites have a narrative. The Chinese and Russians have narratives. We have none. We have institutions in the United States supposedly fighting disinformation and propaganda, which are propaganda whores themselves, censor and cancel people themselves. We need to close those institutions, highlight their fallacies. We need to take a look at the indoctrination by multimedia, by mainstream media, and start calling it out. To help control the narrative, we have to end TikTok. There's been so many calls, but why the hell do we still allow TikTok in the United States? I don't care who owns it, U.S. company or not. It should be banned outright. You have three hundred million people being indoctrinated. Look at the effect here from Gaza. Look at the effect on the college campuses. Look at the effect on our youth with the viral video that happened with Osama bin Laden and then blaming America for this stuff. We have to help Israel destroy Hamas, clear Gaza, and then clear the indoctrination. Now, it just so happens to just recently, I heard and read in the news that Israel has a three-part plan that speaks to this type of approach. Unfortunately, they waited 20 years to do it. And for those Arab countries and other countries that oppose destroying Hamas, clearing Gaza, and clearing the inoculation centers, okay, we have to help them feel our pain or feel gain, depending on how they support what we're trying to do. We have to, as in, develop a clear strategy, a clear implementation plan. It has to be multifaceted. Cognitive warfare, as I said, has various ways, ideology, religion, and issues, and various means, agricultural, economic, political, military. It's a double-edged sword. Cognitive warfare by our adversaries is used to subjugate, control, and eliminate. Cognitive warfare can be fought on the other side to, to empower, to embolden, to enforce, and support freedom, individualism, and independence. But you can't do that if you don't have a plan by region of the world for what needs to be done. We have to proactively engage and influence Middle East dictators. In some cases, we're going to have to take a look at directed irregular warfare. We have to take a look at how we can aid different guerrilla and insurgent movements in Iran, in China, <laughs> and Russia. Each of those countries has vast swaths of people who are not supportive of their institutions. But what's their plan to cause China, Russia, and Iran to react? What's their plan to remove their proxies and cause their proxies harms? We have none. We react, we react. But we do so in the kinetic realm, not the cognitive realm. 
So we have to plan, map, and sequence events to drive others to react to us continuously. And when we help Israel rebuild Gaza, we have to get full control and demand full funding from the Middle East dictators to rebuild Gaza, but rebuild Gaza in an, as an annexed part of Israel. And lastly, how do we do all this? Well, we have to map the information environment. Like Hamas did, like China does with TikTok. We don't have a map of the information environment. We don't know who the key influencers are. We don't know the political, economic, social, military leads and ties to the extent we should. We haven't mapped the flow of information where it goes back and forth to be able to help with this. It's key to be able to operate in the information environment to drive the narrative. Okay, we have to do that. So today we talked in the last segment episode, we talked about why Hamas has won this war. We've talked about why free world countries continue to fail. And I've given you a few tidbits in terms of how we can win this war and the things we must do. We have to proactively engage. We have to properly start. I'm here on the National Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.